Hi, what's up? This is Rishi Rich. Welcome to the Rishi Rich Podcast, episode three. Special guest, one of my dearest best friends, Don D. Marley, aka Danny Harsiani, aka Don. What's happening, my people? We're saying Rishi. I'm good. You know, this is weird, isn't it? Like, um, I think, you know, uh, having you on my podcast uh, is, we've never actually done this, like a one-on-one interview, not an interview, but I mean, we talk a lot and, you know, let's put it in perspective. How, okay, I'm so, we've known each other. When did we, what age did we meet? At college, just um, maybe after the first year. So how, how old were you? I mean, do you remember how old you were when you Yes, yeah, 17 going on to 18 we were. Yeah. Um, and I think that's when I came back from um, a massive wedding trip in Kenya with my family. And um, yeah, that's when I got in contact with you with um, yeah. the two cool. <laughs> so I'm going to put it into like this, a story kind of uh, line. So Don basically is, you know, one of the first... I think probably after Apache Indian, one of the first uh, Asian reggae artists to come out of the UK. So when I was in this group called Too Cool, when I was a like, teenager, I remember working on an album called Bombay Jungle and we needed a feature on it. I didn't know what the word feature meant and it was a rapper um, or someone to kind of do the English bit to it. So... A friend of mine said, look, I know this guy called Danny and he goes to Green Hill College, which is now Harrow College. And, you know, just go and see him. And I remember we had met before in college, you know, and we'd met through some mutual friends. So when I turned up in Harrow, uh, well, Harrow Weald, um, Belmont Circle, actually, um, he opened the door and he's like, what are you doing here? You know, you remember that? And I yeah. think we were, I must have been 18 I think yeah because I think you came and picked me up in an Astra because even when I phoned you about coming for the audition do you remember who the person who actually said get ninja. Danny it was Pradip Ninja, ninja P Ninja P yeah Ninja and Ninja <laughs> P if you're listening please get in touch Ninja P was you know that's another kind of story in itself but so yeah like I said this is really really strange for me because but it's also really really special because you know um, you were the first person that I actually took on and as an artist you know, and I didn't know what artist development was at that time. But all I knew is that I found someone who we really got on straight away. And, you know, if we look at 18, 28, 38, like 30 years coming up to now, we've known each other and we've been like, we're like brothers, you know. And yeah. um, you're the first, I would say, you're the first artist that I really kind of took on, you know. And uh, we started working together Go back to that time of how it was in working with Bunkage in the studio in Twyford Avenue, you know, in uh, in South Harrow, in that little garage, I mean, garage studio, we were working on our stuff. What was, explain, like, let's let's get nostalgic here. I'll tell you what, it was um, something that was so surreal. Um, those kind of memories that I will cherish forever with Bunkage and Rishi and being in this garage studio trying to do something that was new. Now, when I went to the studio, obviously I met Bunkage after the great release of Bombay Jungle, which was phenomenal. Apparently, you know, <clears throat> Audio Rec went crazy on the whole thing, that this remix thing was actually born. What's, what song was it? Or did, uh, Jai Heko Him Jai Jung- Jungle Clear. And then, you know, I mean, to remix a song like that, which was probably out in the 1960s, maybe in the 50s, Yeah, right? It was a very old traditional song. And then there was even a more traditional song on the flip side, or Jabba Jabba Zulfa Teri. I was like, how? But you did three mixes of it. You did a reggae mix, a jungle mix, and a bangra mix. Yeah. And I remember that. And I was mm. like, you know, how did you turn this out? But obviously at my audition, it was phenomenal. And from there, the connection, I knew that this is going to be something phenomenal and that you are a phenomenal talent. Oh, when I saw you. you producing those music in hybrid arts, by the way, which is hybrid probably... arts. Yeah, I used to use an Atari ST with a calculator, <laughs> yep. trying to work out bars. And if anyone's followed us, you know, from there, from that time, what came after that was, I personally think that was just even now. I mean, 
I think you also get people coming up to the Love to Love series, which oh. we create, which actually what Jotin from Audiorec, rest in peace. Um, and, Correct. you know, yourself, me, uh, Bunkaj. Uh, Funky Man wasn't involved in Love to Love one or two, was he? No, we no. actually, just me, you and Bunkaj actually summed the whole thing up. And then, because you then obviously, we understood about this artist management now after a couple of albums. So we said, we should be really introducing some new talent. And I think we just put it out there. I mean, we had no social Let's media. Go back to Love to Love. I remember, you know, and this is purely for the people, obviously. If you haven't heard Love to Love, it's by Too Cool and Dondi. It's on all the streaming platforms now, finally. It's so cool because at the time, we went to India and, you know, we recorded with Kumar Shanu and Udit Narayan, Kavita Krishnamurti. We came back with a DAT tape. Now, a DAT is a tape that you record the vocals on. It's a little miniature kind of tape, you know. Um, and we started to, I started to remix. And I remember, even though you, you know, you featured on a few of the songs, you were there pretty much for the whole album. Like, I, I think you were like, that. Hoje, uh, what was the first song that I used the Mariah Carey? Uh, the beat for Dream Lover beat yeah and I remember like, you because you obviously were part of a DJ outfit now with Nick DJ Iconic what you were DJing at that time in um, around Wembley and I remember you would you would say to me like use this vinyl use this beat this uh, these beats are what is working and in obviously I wasn't going out too much then but you know, we were listening to R&B and you were listening to hip hop and obviously reggae. So you really influenced that as well. Um, so thank you. And I feel like Love to Love was just a really like now when you look at and when I speak to people now about Love to Love, they're like, you know what, that Love to Love series, no one has ever, you know, done. Um, I didn't think I don't think we we actually knew what we were doing at that point as well. We were, we were just after Love to Love. Um, yeah, the first one, I think Love to Love 2. Yeah. I think we blew it out the waterish. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, what was what was really really good about that is that we that it was, that was the pinnacle of fusion. You know, like we loved Hindi music, we loved Kumarshan, and we loved all those songs that were coming out, Ashiki and stuff. And it was around that era. But we also loved R and B and hip hop. And Harrow at the time was you know buzzing buzzing with like all these club nights. There was um, you know uh, I can't remember you know. I think Hamilton's what is, Hamilton's what is Yates now in Harrow was there was an eight people were DJing we used to go there we used to go to Travellers and all yeah. these places you know listen to music and you know and just after that I met Veronica and um but I remember like Love to Love and then it's so funny like nine coming up to 19 then 18 19 you got a solo deal with Audiorec yeah, you, were, but, you were 19 years old. We were done Bollywood Fever and then we went Bo to. Well, Bollywood Fever was first. And then we were in India for that. For like Bollywood 10 Fever weeks. Uh, was. F uh, so Bombay Jungle, Love to Love. No, Bombay Jungle, Bollywood Fever, and Love to Love. That was the order. Because Bombay Jungle was the singles from Bollywood Fever. Correct. Yeah. So then that's why we went to India for the tour. And Love to Love came after that. Love to Love came after Bollywood Yeah, so you got Love to Love and then we had Warm It Up in there and then we had loads of other albums in between. What I want to talk about is that uh, this is, for me, a really kind of, it's whether, I think people need to know, like, you were 19 years old and you got a record deal with an Asian label who had done phenomenally well with, actually amazing, with Ajare, not Ajare, they did with Hit The Deck, you know, with Johnny, Johnny Z. Z Taz, who, who we'll talk about as, you know, um, he was, you know, one of the closest people to you as a as a brother, as a person you worked in, in the industry. Um, and then you got a solo deal. So what was it like being in Harrow, being Gujarati for one, yeah. which you are, right? So you're Gujarati. Indeed. Um, explain about like your, like where... Like getting a deal for your solo reggae album, and but you speak Gujarati at home, but you were grown, you grew up in Wilsdon. Correct. So, just give us a little history of what, where have you come from? Like, what is, where would you say your roots are from? My roots, probably Northwest London. And originally, the family from India. So yeah, my mum was Indian and my dad is um, born in Africa in Mombasa. So I basically come from like, yeah, a mixed Asian background. Obviously a lot of Indians in around East Africa. So my dad was from Mombasa. Lovely place there. If you've ever been, it's a beautiful place. So we 
my dad decided to move to London with my brother from Kenya at 73 and then 75 I was born. So that's it. We moved into a place in Wilson. We lived there pretty much most of my childhood. And yeah, I, I, I was in a community around Jamaicans and Irish people. So would you, like, you you were brought up and in Wilsden. Is that where you got your whole reggae influence? Yeah, pretty much. My older brother was obviously into the reggae music, going to a school predominantly with Jamaicans in Neasden High. So you probably know the name General Levy. He went to my brother's school in Neasden. Um, yeah, and that song that he sings, Wicked, yeah. he used to sing it then oh wow so that's a very old song my brother obviously remembers it quite well um so obviously then my brother used to bring a lot of music home from from his counterparts and he one day brought this album called reggae hits volume six and i heard music and i went yeah what and then i started going into reggae music deep into marley into toots and my and everything that was out there at that time beres hammond the lot basically everyone out there capleton buju banton you name it i was into all of it after because I feel, and I, I actually did, I actually said that, you know, a very similar thing to Veronica. Like, I feel like you haven't been given your flowers. Like, when people talk about, when I mention your name, the first thing they think, oh, that's Don from Najina. Correct. But there was so much before that. Naj- I mean, I also get that as well. But there was this 10, 12 years before Simply Rich, before Najina, where we really grafted. You know, yeah. we grafted in the studio every day, working till late. You know, still going the, to work in the daytime. How many albums did we do with Too Cool? Was it 10, 12? 15. 15. 15 albums we did. And I think we were doing like two a year or three a year, something like that. I feel like you haven't been given your flowers. Like I, you know, and and still to this day, like I'm always obviously going to be champion and always will. But I feel like you're not just about Najina. You know, and we'll come to that song in a bit. But, you know, like, I find it really fascinating the fact that you 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 know you're Gujarati, you're Kachi, right? Is yeah, that correct. You're obviously from Gutch, but you have this slang of Patwan and hip hop, and you know um, it's a really unusual kind of it's a bit of everything. I actually, you know what? When 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 I describe you, I describe you as Marmite to people. Do you understand <laughs> what that means? Yeah, either you like me or you don't. Well, no, not as a per- just generally your vibe. Like it's it's really kind of like. If you meet you for the first time, like if I if I met you for the first time, I would be like, "Who is this guy? Like, what is he?" I, I mean, it's really, really kind of, it's it's like either you understand you or you don't. Yeah, does that make sense? Straight up. Yeah, because I'm a straightforward guy. So a lot of people, like I feel like you know your interviews. We've done so many interviews together, but you've done so many by yourself, and I don't think you've ever talked about exactly where you you know you have come from and what influenced you to kind of do this. So did you know that? you know, you wanted to do, when did you kind of realise, okay, I wanted to do that? Because I remember when I met you, you hadn't done any music. No. So all I ever did was um, music to myself and to my my peers, which were my Jamaican friends. I never actually did it anywhere live or to a crowd, at weddings or anything. I just kept it in the houses where I went to my Jamaican friends' houses. They will do, play some reggae music. They'll play some beats from Jamaica that were like... I was fascinated by them. I was like, how is that? Is that just an instrumental? What, there's no one singing on it? Because no, 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 we sing on it. What do you mean we sing on it? So they do these kind of like reggae kind of melody things and patois and it's all beautiful and the melody's amazing. And I should just sit there listening to them and thinking, you know, this is really cool. I used to obviously listen to reggae music with Bob Marley and everything there. Being around these guys and when I'm around some, you know, certain casting of people, I try to like, you know, become them so you know they understand me a bit more that's what i think and i don't know why i think that it's crazy Chameleon. but yeah so you know we did it and then you know one day we're just sitting there and they were just doing something and i just you know mumbled something under my tongue and then one of my friends heard it and he goes mate did you just do that again like no no i can't do that he goes listen do it why are you so scared for it's only us we're not we're not going and selling a record like the marley's or anybody else we're just doing it here for fun mate yeah just do it man yeah have, have, have a go man you know what melody came out of your mouth was phenomenal. Please just do it again. I remember when you came into the studio and we were working on Jungle League. You know, that, that was the first time I met you actually in the studio. But I'd met you before briefly in, in Greenhill College. But, and then when you, what, give, give me a little bit of what you did. Like, uh, what was the, ooh, 
you know. But there was obviously more than that. Yeah, so that was the main bit that came out that was really sticking out and that it was something that maybe a, a, an entire crowd or at that time thinking about how this would look. Was, in, uh, uh, yeah, was it that? That was Art Ia Dondi Pass. Yeah. That was oh, yeah. me. That was me and just doing it myself. So Jungly, album. so what was your bit in Jungly? Do you remember? Um... Me are the jungle, me come in honey, my cadema come and tell me, tell me, then tell me one name, tell me, name, and say me nata, the original. You know what? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, did you take it from there? Well, no, I didn't take the original to from there. UK Apache, yeah, but yeah, absolutely. we probably ripped that a bit. Yeah, so we, it's did, cool. we did. We, we ripped um, quite a lot of stuff. We like, ripped we, a lot of yeah, stuff. We, I still do it myself now. Yeah, but we did it, but, but you know, everybody brought into the buying of what we actually did, which was actually something that nobody was doing. And at the time of doing the remixes, the reason why the whole Too Cool and Dondi outfit actually took off is because somebody who was a music fanatic or like you, and you actually want your music to be heard. Mm. The one thing that I remember in the meeting that you said to Jotin was, I don't want to take it off the CD and rip the track. Can you please get me the vocals at the tempo that I want to record this music. I produced half the album in my head already, Jay, by the way, and he wouldn't understand what you were saying. But I was like, underestimating this kid. Everybody. So that's why he sent us to India to record. And yeah. obviously then we got and the then when we came back, Malik. And, and then, you know, Love to Love 2 was the biggest selling album. And you know, forget, Movie Box, love them. You know, they had that most movie pageant award, you know, and yeah, you were in that. India and... You know, we used to look alike so much because we were young. We had the same hairstyle, the same dress sense, everything. And I remember that you couldn't pick the award up and you said, just go there, pick it up, right? And I remember Bally Sagu <laughs> coming up to me and we winning the award that because he was the remix king. He gave us the award yeah. for the best remix album of 2000, of 1996. Seven? Seven, yeah. Yeah. I remember we performed at Zenith, which yes. was in Park Royal, which yeah. is now Odeon. Yes. Um, and Balisagu was one of the judges and we were performing and we had gone to Tommy Hilfiger in Harrow. There was a Tommy Hilfiger branch in Harrow and we all bought puffer jackets and we performed. The Too Cool Dondi outfit for me was really special because uh, it really shaped me as a producer. It shaped my knowledge of how to... Uh, be around an artist and I think having you as my first artist was definitely a big learning thing for me because you were quite you were very raw when I met you you know and you still are you yeah. still are quite raw but you were completely you was a blank canvas wasn't it yeah completely. You know? so love to, we always actually forget about love to love one you know we there were some great songs on that but love to love two the red cover with the ribbon with that, the skits. With the skits. That, for me, what... Game changer. Changed. But I also feel... Do you feel that we didn't get... Uh, we still didn't get a look in? I think what happened is in those days when we were making music, first and for almost, we didn't have the amount of social media that people can get their music out on right now. The internet was even invented when we started making music. It came out later. It was there. It was filtering in the background. Love to Love 1, Love to Love 2 was massive. It was such a big album for us. And I think That's I think the whole of Harrow was behind that in West yeah. London. I think um, I remember speaking to Jotin on, his, on our last occasion when we were actually with him. He, you know, he said we, we'd crossed like literally like nearly half a million units. Right. So let's go back to the half a million units, cassettes and vinyls. And, and CDs. CDs. <laughs> that is physical sales it's probably i mean i don't know if that's the correct figure figure but 100 percent there was hundred thousand. i know went through that warehouse in perryville um and you know and much more probably after that you know up to date now and i'm and it's so good that it's on streaming platforms so you know guys you gotta to listen to i love listening to our stuff after after love to love 2 came too cool flavor right too cool flavor uh sorry after love to love 2 then came when did your album, your album came? No, it came later. We had Warm It Up. Yeah, so we Warm It Up came after Love to Love 2. Which had Dere Darpalsanam and all those music in it. Fantastic music. Okay, again. so what was my favourite? Dere Darpal was amazing, innit? Banging tune, bro. What was your, what was your bit in that? I'm going to get uh, you to recite that. If you can't remember, then I'll have to play it now. All right, check this out. Okay, so that was a little bit of warm it up, which is, I love that. Yeah. Uh, love that. Yeah, we played um, some good music. After that came, I think we started to change our sound then. And I remember we were in our 20s then. We saw we were 2021. 20, um, we were going out quite a bit in Harrow. 
you know, we... Do you remember were, when our sound actually changed and why it changed? Because Bunkage went to America and, left and us. brought in Sonic yeah. back for us. Yeah. And oh my God. See now, in Sonic, if you look at people who are producer geeks, if you look at producers like Pharrell, Timberland, there's Kanye West, there's videos on YouTube where they're using this Ensonic ASR 10. That's what I studied. That was the thing that I grew up on. You know, if I could get my hands on one now, and you can, and it's basically, it's a sampler that it's got no, it doesn't take up no memory and you can spread sample. It's just, I can't even explain it. Yeah, like, it's, it's really insane. Weird. I loved it. That is when our sound changed. I also, I think our sound did change when uh, we started to have a little bit more say. Oh yeah. You know, uh, we wanted to incorporate more hip hop, more R&B. More features. More, more features, more reggae. Um, and then came your album. That's right. So your album was called Come Into My Life. Yep. Talk to me about the process of making your album. And if people don't know, this is Dondi. He's my guest here, my brother. Um, your first album was Come Into My Life. Talk to me about the process. Because that, I mean, how old were you then? Probably touching about 20, 21. Yeah, and maybe. I remember you had a proper six, eight pack at that time. Yeah, proper, you know, gymming away, hardcore, you're young, you can do what you want, eat what you want. Which gym. you do now anyway. Oh, do it now, man, yeah, so we have to, as we get older. But then, you know, um, the album, um, Coming to My Life, was probably one of the most difficult and most challenging things ever to be done because I didn't have Hindi music to um, cover me as a chorus or to give me some, you know, bars to, like, lengthen the song. I was the song. I was the product. This is what Audiorec brought into. So I had to make sure that I had to deliver. Now, I had no doubt in you delivering music because you were so good at it. Even at my audition, you know, you reeled a beat off in 30 seconds and I chatted for you and you went, yeah, you're sick. And that was it. So you know, the album was very challenging. And for me, you had no one else to look at to. Who was there in the time? It was you, it was Bali, it was Apache Indian, and it was um, a couple of other Bhangra singers. And Zeus were, was there. Yeah, and, you know, but they were coming up and coming up artists. These guys were doing their things and doing their music around the East Midlands, but there was no one really to nurture me to say that, you know, maybe you should write it like this or maybe you should get this. I mean, literally wrote the whole album myself. The choruses, the verses, the songs, everything. Um, I'm going to see if I can play a bit of the album because that for me was... I think it was, even though Bunkers was involved, but it was really you and me really put that together. And that taught me and taught us actually about how to construct an album because Correct. you being a reggae artist, like you said, you haven't got, you know, we had to get female artists to come and sing hooks. We just use Hindi samples we did. or sing, well, people to re-sing. How did, how did that album do? Like, honestly, tell me, how do you think that album did? It didn't do as well as it should have. And I don't think it was supported by anybody in the industry. I think it was just literally released out there. Had some great cracking tracks in there. I remember we put in a lot of music and a lot of effort into the music that we did. Come Into My Life, I think the one that we done with the Vakoda, If You Want To Be My Girl Tonight, I think that was like a, an absolutely stunning we track. We didn't have a video. We had no videos. Mm. Um, you know, but we had a video for... Uh, Prague, jungly. Yeah. Right? That was crazy, yeah. Yeah, so we had a video for that. Why didn't you have a... I can't... Why didn't we do a video for you? Because Jotin thought that we were massive already. And so, okay, we so, didn't realise it. Everybody knew who Don D was. Everybody knew the, the album produced by Too Cool. Yeah. So, so I wasn't like... I was obviously Rich... Well, you know, my name... I think... I don't know if I had the name Rishi Rich then or Rishi Riley, I think it was. Yeah, it was Rishi Riley After or Teddy Riley. Big up Teddy Riley. Um, I... Do you think we considered... Like, in terms of... You're saying it didn't do well, but also people, I mean, I was speaking to someone today, I was speaking to our friend Lal and he was like, you need to remix Come Into My Life, Danny's album, you know? And I was like, okay, he's our friend, but that's his, one of his, he loves listening to that. And I'm sure people love listening to it. How did that, how was it kind of um, received? Do you feel like in, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to talk about Harrow. Do you, how was, do you feel like you were a bit of a Harrow superstar at that time? I know it's really weird to say yeah. but Pretty much. Like, so people knew- our posters were everywhere from here to Wembley. So the whole of Harrow postcode was full of our posters. And then there's posters all over Leicester. So we were famous in Leicester. We were famous in Harrow. We were famous in Manchester. Everybody, everywhere, should I say, that there was an Asian community that loved remix music. Jotin 
did his best to make sure he plastered everything and every wall with our pictures everywhere. Yeah. People used to phone me and goes, mate, yeah, hello. Hmm. What are you doing, Don? I'm just here. There's a picture of you on the bus stop. Oh, is it? Really? Yeah, Money I remember. Album. I mean, too, <laughs> the thing is too cool. I felt, um, I mean, people were buying it, but, you know, and I remember we were, like at that point we were going for store signings in Leicester. In Leicester. And um, Alpesh, his shop downstairs in the basement. Yep. We, yeah. You know, I think. Big up Alpesh, which is now Sulasaga Music. Oh, wow. Yes. Um, which is someone that you've been obviously signed to and working with. Yes, um, very well. Yeah. So, yeah. After, so after your album, we obviously went back to working on the Hindi remix and then we did Too Cool Flavor. That's right. That, and that then, was the R.D. Berman remixes. No, no. Too Cool Flavor was just you doing all tracks, but what it was, Jordi wanted to shock the whole thing and says, I tell you what, no Dondi. So I never featured on Too Cool Flavor. If you look at it, I'm not on it. No, you are. Look at Too Cool Flavor. Will I be okay? No, that's in... Not too cool flavor. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm getting really messed up here. <laughs> too cool flavor came before your album. Yeah. Yeah. So too cool flavor you didn't feature in. Yeah. Um, and then we came back with the return of my album, thinking that we would actually then generate yeah. some sort of sales in a. In a big, I think what big it was, he wanted to give you a break. I remember him saying that we introduced on too cool flavor. We introduced Funky Man and yes. we introduced Chana and we introduced Ronica and Sambala Mene. Correct. Right. And then we went on and did your album. And then after your album, we did another Love to Love 3, the yes. blue cover. Yes, correct. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. We've got yeah. say on there. Yeah. So we all did that. And then I think one of my favorites that I think we did as a collective, Too Cool and Dondi, was Too Cool Flavor. Uh, classic Cuts, R.D. Berman. The R.D. Berman classic cuts for me, and, and I me. remember uh, Vada Karo, Gulabi Ake, um, was, and we shot the video. Do you remember shooting the video? Oh yeah, for, well, for Vada. Vada Kuro, Funky, Funky Man. We Funky shot man. it in CBS in Wembley. That's right. CTS. CTS, where we used to master our stuff. We used to master our stuff. We shot the video there. We shot it in Harrow underneath the the what is now the Morrison's Roundabout. Correct. But we shot it under there with Funky Man. And I can't remember the lead girl's name, but... Yeah, that was, um, yeah we had I think, uh, yeah, that was, that was a story in itself. Um so we did that and I think that was really something I, my sound definitely changed because I was heavily heavily into Blackstreet and if you listen I was sampling Teddy Riley's snares and rim shots everything we based a lot of our stuff on what we were listening to and I think Bunkage felt that I honestly felt like he felt okay well because he was you know we didn't realise the age difference as well between us and Bunkage yeah. but he was a great engineer and i've got to say like one of the best engineers the best is but we there was a shift coming i could feel it there was a shift coming where i feel like i have you know we did another love to love i think after that then we started working on projects for audio rec we did a track with raja mushtaq so we went to holland for that yeah telephone telephone massive that was massive and i I remember i couldn't go to that video was amazing um we did voices then the voices was the last album we did. And that wasn't under Too Cool. No. So, so Too Cool split was, up. Yep. It finished. And then it was yourself, me, Veronica, Chana, Mentor, Saga Malik. And I remember the studio was in my house, in my mum's house. Correct. And we did Voices, which was a great album. And we won the best album cover for that. Yeah. See, I, what I'm doing, I'm building up because I still feel like you did so. Look how much you've done. Yeah. Right? But people still say, oh, what about Nejina? That's <laughs> Oh, yeah, Donnie from Nejina. <laughs> so now straight away coming up to that because I remember then there was a big gap where I started to work on um you know I we moved the studio to Perivel. Now if anyone's come to the Heights studio in Perivel, so myself, Don and Veronica decided that we're gonna shift everything from my mum's house to a studio and we went to uh Perivel and we saw this room in, in in the impact building now if, if anyone's been there you know that it's full of coaches it looks really grimy um and you built that studio for me yeah so do you i mean, i so remember that those days i remember walking into that room and um was men- mentors i don't know if mentors in kenya was i can't remember but there's I know mitts and oops were coming through and stuff like that, but I remember it was you, myself, and Veronica we painting, putting the soundproofing up. You built the wall, mm. you put the wooden flooring in. We got the desk. We used to get, you know, I think I had my Astra at that the point. Windows, yeah, the windows, the air conditioning, and we built the height studio. And I remember saying to you that this is beautiful, but I don't even have one month's rent. Correct. Do you remember? Yeah. 
So I was like, and the rent, I mean, it was great. I mean, our landlords, shout, shout out to Tony <coughs> from Impact. But, Big up. you know, we were like, okay, how are we going to get this money for our rent? And suddenly, who came into the, do you remember who came into the studio? Bappi Lari. Rest in peace. God rest in peace. But he actually came to the studio. He actually recorded a track that was in the film after. It was in the film, yeah. I mean, we've got stories from what people, yeah. I mean, Done a few. Last year, yeah. yeah but and then anyway, so he recorded that and then he gave us a check which paid our rent for the next three months. So we got excited when at Travellers and got mashed up. <laughs> Travellers, yeah. We, that was used to be a hangout. And I remember, you know, the equipment, everything with there, I think I got it on finance and stuff like that. Um, and the heights became... We got business cards. These heights just started to get this energy. Roaring. This energy that was just going crazy. Like, I remember then we were, I was working on your second album. The Don. The Don. And I did that in Heights. Yeah, you yeah. did. We did that in Heights. We were still working with Audio Rec at the time. Correct. Um, and we were working. And I remember I used to come to Kingsbury. Correct. I used to come to Kingsbury at about three or four in the morning um, and to play you like what I've been working on and, you know, I used to remix your song and blah, blah, blah. And it was just such a magical time. And I think anyone who's been to the Heights studio will always say that studio, obviously that was the birth of us. How I would say legacy now, hundred percent, that studio was some, there was something about that studio that just, it was, as soon as you entered that studio and closed the door, you just felt like you were somewhere else. And, you know, I've, I can never recreate that. You can never rewrite history. I, I believe that that was what, what it was. And that, that studio served its purpose without a doubt. Fully. And if any artists, artists needs to be crediting that studio because that's where they sound really good. Isn't Pretty it? much every single artist that went through those doors, yeah, they yeah. sounded fantastic. So, right. So we moved into the Heights. We started to do work together. I think I was working on Veronica's single. She got signed to Urban Star. Correct. There was a gap now for... Where did you go? Like, I think there was a gap where we were, obviously you were coming in and out, but I think after your album, The Don, you did the feature for Roger Mushtaq there. Yeah. Um, and then I remember you saying to me that we should do a garage album. So I said, yes. Why do you want to do a garage? And he said, why garage? I said, look, garage at the moment, I've been looking at it. It's just the biggest music that's kicking it. We might as well jump on this train wagon. And instead of remixing like the Hindi songs that we're doing with R&B, do the same stuff with new tracks. We'll go to Audirec Direct, just me and you. Yeah. And we'll do the deal. So we had split from Audirec. Well, not split because we were on good terms. We'd finished our deal. Uh, Too Cool was no longer. Veronica was doing her single stuff. Um, my cousin, Amit, Mentor, Mentor Beats was, I think he was staying out, we were living together and he was learning, you know, he learned, you know, everything that was going on. He's a great producer, you know, he produced some amazing songs and so it was him, myself and you and we did Pure Garage. Now Pure Garage for me was an album where I think we started to ruffle some feathers with people like, what the hell? And our first single, the first song, Sonu Nigga. Nava Nava Nacha. That was amazing. That was, I love that. I remember even you doing Pure Garage and telling me, and then you're like, okay, we'll do it. But who's going to MC? Yeah. I said, I'll do it. And you said, you, you're a reggae artist. You don't do MCing. And then I said, okay, I'll do an audition for it. Then he said, okay, audition for it. And I remember you. I did not make you audition for yeah, Pure Garage. Yeah, I swear to you. Right, you got no. to Because cause honestly, we needed, right? So Jotin even said, okay, let's do it. And then he goes, well, who are you going to get to do the MC? And I went, well, I'll do it. And he goes, but you were reggae. You don't do MC. I said, well, I, I know how to MC. I've done it before. And I think I jumped on the mic and <laughs> I went, hey, put the mic inside. And then Mentor goes, that's sick. Because I remember Mentor doing hip hop. On yeah, one of the yeah. tracks with me and we were bouncing off yeah, each yeah. other. It was phenomenal. But yeah, Pure Garage series, I think it was one, two and three. And I think um, the Garage Bangra Kings, I called him, was none other than... Fremi. Oh my oh, God. We had them in the studio. P-R-E to the M to the I. Bruv, they were... <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I'm going to tell everybody this, yeah. 
the outtakes, yeah. I'm telling you, you know when people say how I get a six pack. Listen to Premier outtakes. <laughs> the Pure Garage albums were really special. One and two and three, I think we did. I think they were all fantastic. I think we just um, again we got a lot of new MCs like MC Striker who came into it from with Kartik and everybody and I think Kartik and them not started producing something along with Mentor yeah so Kartik came on board on, on Pure Garage 2 and 3 I think we did as well yeah that's right and at that time I remember um, that's when um, I started to do uh, the remixes um, which is another story which is you know something but that led on to me meeting Bali Sagu and being signed for an album which I didn't know what I'm going to do for this album and it was that. Simply Rich correct so coming up to Simply Rich obviously Pure Garage do you still feel like at that point you were still were you like we've done look how much we've done and we only even we're, we're 23 now 22 23 years old yeah and, uh, right 2000 in it that was yeah so yeah. I hope my maths are correct. But Simply Rich, now, at this time, you've done so much. You know, you've done Love to Love 1, 2, 3, Pure Garage 1, 2, 3, Don D, two albums, two singles, Raja Mushtaq, worked with all these people. What was your situation, like, in your community, like, which we'll talk about, but you were still the only Gujarati that was doing that. And it was obviously chaos, but he was not doing... He was doing complete reggae stuff, which he's amazing. But I think what, how did your community, were you known in your community? Yeah, I was known through my community, through my family and people knew of us because of the interviews on ZTV and we were everywhere posters. So my whole community knew exactly who I was. Obviously my dad being quite affluent as well in the community. So people actually knew who I was. What they didn't do is really support my music really. So there was no really like kind of things like, you know, getting shows or doing anything for anybody. Um, you know, I got a lot of videos sent of the you know, people actually entering with, I think somebody entered with Chahi Koi Muja Jungli Kahe as part of their wedding entrance song. But yeah, no one actually ever... I mean, you are quite vocal, well, let's be honest. I mean, I don't know, sometimes <clears throat> I think randomly I will see like, I'm not going to say rant, but I'll say like, you know, you're emotional. You are very emotional. I know that because I've known you, you know, most of my life. Yeah. You've talked about how your community haven't supported you. And this is obviously now coming up to Simply Rich. Neijina was the last song that I did on my album. Um, and that's when I discovered, you know, I met Juggy through a friend. And we did an R&B version. I'm just going to speed this thing up because this, you know, I don't want to too, talk about, too much about that because that's something that I can actually expand on, um, you know, and play music from Simply Rich. But... Um, I remember I did an R&B version of Neijina and I wanted to do like a fusion pop desi kind of version which was my sound and I was developing this sound and I had the vocals for Juggy anyway you know because for the R&B version and I asked you I said I called you up I said can you feature on this before we do that give me a, a vibe from Neijina Miss it Gallinamo riding a remix ha Hirichi Richie riding a remix and it was born and it was born. I mean, that was that was a turning point for me, for you, definitely, definitely for Juggy. Mm. Um, massive track for Juggy. Huge. I mean, that's what launched him. You Completely. Know? His career was... And I remember doing the video and he didn't want to come for the video shoot. We had to force Bali had to call him. Yep. Now, I feel like now going back to the beginning of this of, of, of our chat or saying when people when I mention your name they go, oh yeah he's the one who, you know Dundee in the ride in the remix I'm like well no because look at like we've been talking for 40 minutes and we've just mentioned Neijina we've been talking about everything we've been doing and I can't wait actually I'm going to listen to Pure Garage and our old stuff because that stuff really makes me happy to be honest because we were making music for such a different reason then as well Correct. it was more about you know we were just Proud to be Harrow Boys and making music in a garage in South Harrow. Neijina, what talk me through the process of when that came out. Do you remember what happened? Fully. So we shot the video and it all blew up. There's a medley video and the track just went viral. All of a sudden... Um, when you say viral, we didn't have social media at that yeah, point. Yeah, viral is in the sense is that people radio. knew about the song from the radio. And wanted it to be played at all kinds of shows. Z music, beef you, everywhere. Everything. So then basically what happened was that a lot of the promoters got a hook of it and 
understood that how we could play this track out pretty much everywhere for a year continuously, five days a week. Talking about Najina, do you feel like you haven't been given the respect for that song, even though it's, you know, I've produced it, but I want to know from your point of view. I don't believe I've deserved the full respect that I think I should get from the song. I believe that people would assume that it's Juggy's track since after we've launched it and played it for a year, when Juggy then finished his album and then started playing a load of shows, Juggy continued to play the song. So therefore, the eye in the public where he played the song, it became Juggy's song. But the song was always Juggy's because he had a remix on the Fiesta thing. All I wanted to think in my heart is that if you never did the remix and you just released the Fiesta mix and it, it was out it there... Have, it wouldn't have worked. It would have worked, but it wouldn't have been what it was. I also feel this comes down to um, featuring featured artists. Even though it was, you were, you know, if you were a featured artist, featured artists, I don't feel, get their flowers and they don't get their respect. Um, and I remember us going to all the gigs together, yes. you know, um, and you were there and then slowly, slowly the gigs just, you know, even I came out of the, because I was never into gigs. Um, it was just Juggy doing his thing, which is cool. You know, everyone has to do their own thing. That's right. But how did it make you feel? Like, honestly? I'll tell you, if you really want to know the honest truth, it just made me feel like that, you know, after a whole year of, because you knew me as an entertainer, Rishi. We, I entertained the crowds for hours when our tours in India. I had that energy and I, and I was a born entertainer to be on a stage to do what I do. I am given that blessings by God. I passed all this knowledge on to these people and it was that type of the artist management that we and you discussed and said that we have to nurture these guys. They don't know what they're doing. We never had that, but we passed that knowledge on thinking that we're doing the greatness for the good and that you will always be a part of something that yeah. you always set up. And so when you completely cut off on that whole section, it was a killer. And as social media got even worse, um, I got even more upset with things um, as Juggy was playing gigs on my doorstep and it was never about the money for me. I just wanted to go and support the artists that we had worked together with. Yeah. I was never ever called to any gig, which really, really, really hurt me, really, honestly. And I just like, that's when I turned around and said, you know what, why do I need to do any type of music? No, it gives me the respect. My community don't really care about me. The Gujarati community don't really care about music. And, and I just turned around and just like after Najina, after you did, I think it was them, you did the, where it killed it. I think you came up with the version with Jay Sean. That's when you found, just after that, I just said, that's it. I'm just going to hang yeah. up my mic for a bit. And I, yeah, really you hung, I think it, I think it was, you know, this industry can be really cruel. Yeah. And, you know, I feel that with, I feel that with, I still feel it. I still, you know, um, go through a lot of struggles up and down emotionally you know the way you the way we are um and i feel but also there's a, the 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 other way of looking at this is that you know what that if it we've laid such a great groundwork for people and you know we've done you know you've done i mean like you've been so parallel to my journey and you know, I'll always, I think those times that we had, the two cool times for me were like the best times because like I said, and I said it again and I'll say it again, is I'm, we were just making music. Correct. You know, there was a business side, but we weren't even getting paid that much, no. you know, but it was just making music in this little garage, you know, and we were just creating something. And I feel like maybe we were too ahead of our time, but you know what? I'd rather be too ahead of my time than follow the time. So like as Rishi said earlier, if you've not heard it, listen to it. It'll be like yeah. we produced it last week. Yeah. Seriously, so, I listen you know, to it a lot. I feel like I'm, you know, everyone, there's a lot of people that owe you, uh, owe you a lot. You know, you've, you've built not only for um, singers, but your community. You know, I think Najina came out and I think you became like a Gujarati superstar in your community. Like, Correct. what was it like when you used to go to a, like weddings and stuff? And I'm sure they used to get on stage and start performing and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I've seen you. I've been there with you. When Brilliant. I mean, the, it was like, you know, overwhelming that, you know, when I went to an event like a wedding or something where people saw me, they'd be like, oh, I can't believe you're here. I thought, well, you know, it's a very close wedding. I have to be here. So I don't want to, no, no, it's not, I don't want to be here. But yeah, I've got to come and support my family and I do family things. Yeah. I know you see me on TV. Hmm. But it doesn't mean I can't come to a wedding. Yeah. And the thing I like about you, and I've always not liked, but love about you, like, you know, we all have our, you know, this industry really can, it really can cut you, you know. And I've, I remember I've been through times when I felt so, 
you know, alone. Um, and I don't, I don't think I've ever got bitter, but what I've done is that I just think, why am I so kind? Yeah. You know, like I am genuinely like I give where any, anyone has wanted, you know, I would give music to them. If they haven't got money, I'll be like, don't worry about it, you know? And, and I feel like actually, no, I'm not going to be like that. And then I, you know, but this was then now it's obviously different. We're older, we're mature, you know, and everyone's working for themselves, which is fair enough. And everyone's got to do what they got to do. But, um, I love the fact that you've just always been, you always just bounce back. I mean, you had, um, like you also, again, recently, a few years ago, you came back with, obviously you did the stuff with M2K, which was great. And you featured on their stuff. But I think for me, a moment for me in your, I won't say comeback, but was you found a sound with Garba Rhythm. You found the sound. We found okay. I'm so okay. Sound yes, because I, I remember saying to you, let's sample. Because you was like, you know, you, well, you like, just oh. said to me, here's a beat. I came to India to record a few tracks, and then you produced everything I wanted, yeah. which I've still got like just a feature. See, the one thing I'm gonna rate, and you know what, what you did is like, you were like, Rish, you're in India, and I want you to, you know, I want, I want to start getting back and recording some stuff you know, and working on my sound because I found my sound. And I think you're quite happy now where you are. Oh, Obviously, yes. I know that, you know, uh, music sometimes is full-time for people, sometimes it's part-time, sometimes it's just whatever, you know, you've got to do what you got to do. With me, if people think I produce music 24-7, I actually don't, you know, like I, I've got other things, like I'm now I'm doing this, whatever. And I feel like what I rate is that you actually flew, got a ticket and came to India you know, um, and actually we talk about before India, you came to Atlanta to see me and lived with Teddy Riley and myself and at that time, which was, that we didn't do any music then actually. That was just, a, you know, just to come see your brother. But India was, you came and caught flight and we recorded like five, six songs, you know, and Garba Rhythm was part of that as well. And I think Garba Rhythm, um, you know, the right people supported it. And, you know, the people that really understood that sound, and I think you've created something which is totally, you own that sound. No one can do reggae, garba, fusion without saying you did it. Yeah, there's a lot of it now. And so how many how many rhythms, garba rhythms are we in now? We're in three. So when's the fourth? It's going to be this year in the Rotary. We're not going to let disappoint. That's great. Never. Good. It's the sound that I found. Look, um, I've been looking for ages, yeah. Um, from reggae to even singing reggae music and trying to get that kind of vocal training my vocals and yeah. doing that it's, it's all good I can do it all but the sound from Gujarat that I have actually found it's brilliant I'm constantly thinking of stuff that I've done probably maybe 30 years ago I could probably relive all of that again easily with the sound of Gujarat yeah. and Garba music my folk music so in and amongst uh, Neijina, you did something with Jinx. Correct. Now, do you remember the song? Yes, Rang. Rang. Correct. Let's play a bit. So obviously then I think that came, all these features started to come towards you, right? I started getting a lot of features. I don't know if you've heard of another guy called Jay Arthur. He's a Nepalese singer. I love singer. that song. So I've done a track called On Time for him. I love that song. Alongside Jay Arthur, red face, show me the signal. Girl, you feel blessed me, I feel gonna show ya. We wanna show you tender love, got me a kid for ya. Step on the gay, girl, you know we done the rage We love you like you as in sun, girl, wanna see me if I'm right. So these features started to come after Najina. Yeah. So you obviously started to kind of get some momentum. So, you know, which was great. And then I think uh, another thing, like if you now look, if we look look at this now, from eight, 17 years old, doing Hindi remixes, garage, this developing. I think we we put Harrow, we made Harrow proud. I don't care what anyone says, and I'm yeah. really proud of that. You know, and Gujarati community need to really, really give your flowers to you because they really need to understand that you've, you know, Garba rhythm. If you haven't heard it, it's I'm gonna play a bit of it now. Yeah, so 
But it's one of those things um, where you are rapping or you well, chatting. I mean, how would you say patwa? But then yeah, you're doing you you actually in good you're you're rapping in Gujarati as well, which is phenomenal when I did it and. Yeah, I was like, I was ecstatic actually when you put yeah. the color rhythm and you, and you put it all together and, and when I heard the Gujarati lyrics come out so positively yeah. good and clean, I was like, yes. Yeah, and I, I loved, Garba 2 was really good. And I remember I was playing 1, 2 and 3 to Mitz actually. And he was like, I love 2, I love, I, I actually love, I love 1, but I love 3. I yeah, love so I, my favorite is actually, is 3. Um, but you know, a lot of people, they love 2. Yeah. Because of that dance hall flex, it's yeah. actually got no, it's the most minimalistic Gujarati in it. Mm. It's only the chorus that we bought, really, literally. Yeah. Now that was good. Well, you know what? I am looking forward to Gurbar 4, and, you know, that's something which I feel, feel we want to do. And I, I kind of think, and I did hear it from you actually, that you want to work on an album. Yes, I'm going to be working, hopefully, on a Gujarati album. Yeah. Full folk album is going to be. Um, but with, your, with your fusion, right? Yeah, with fusion of reggae yeah. music. I will have um, a few features here and there of some people that I've already yeah. got lined up and hopefully that we can work it together. I'll be doing this with, hopefully, under the Surasaga wing. Um, yeah. Under Alpesh is, is, is a fantastic thing. Um, yeah, so Gujarati music is, um, is coming up. And um, yeah, we're here. All the Gujarati musicians from Himi to the people putting on the shows down from, you know, the Red Lotus People events and Pretty Patel. These are all Gujarati folk singers and they're actually putting on fantastic shows all over. And um, yeah, hopefully, not in the too near distant future, if I can get it organised in the near future, then the one thing I would like to do is, um, with Wishy Rich, um, this will be a full-on tour. It won't be no dinner and dance or nothing like that. It'll be a full concert. The It'll Too Cool Tour. The live two call tour, Rishi Rich Dondi. Yeah. We're going to try and get Veronica and everybody that featured on the album for maybe a couple of shows and we yeah. won't do it again. Yeah, no, that would be great. I mean, that would be really cool. We also need to talk about uh, when you came to India at that time, I got you to record some bits, which ended up being on Hello Charlie uh, with yes. Kirani. So which you was, did that, which was great. So you did, you know, that, from, I love that. I think that was um, the introduction of garage music to India. I want to talk about I want to talk about Taz um, and I don't want to talk on in obviously Taz Johnny Z hit the deck Stereo Nation phenomenal phenomenal legendary artist who passed away um, you know someone that I looked up to since I was a kid you know going following him around in South or Mella uh, wanting to wear the dungarees that we had him hit the deck we of then we got signed yourself and me got signed to the same label and I think that was one of, even just being signed, but I think being signed because Hit The Deck, Hunter Men Nachna, we were signed to the same label. We never met him, but we knew. Actually, I think we might have met him in, in Audiorec, but I, I remember, um, you know, us just being fans of him. And then you ended up having a really, really special relationship with him, didn't you? Like in terms of like you went on tour, you became a part of his Stereo Nation set up. Yeah. Talk to me about how that happened. What was you again? Do you remember? I was coming home from work. You phoned me and you said, you never know who I'm sitting with. And my first answer to you, to that question, every time you say that to me is, are you sitting with Teddy Riley? No, I'm not. Okay, so I go to, who are you sitting with? And you came up with some names. I came up with crazy names. I said this, that, the other. And then you turned around and said, I'm sitting here with Johnny Z. I went, what, in Edgeway, Zanzibar? And you went, yeah, you've got to come and meet you. He's dying to see you. Could be a good opportunity for you, Don. So I came down. We had a chat. Nothing happened the first year, but the second year, it blew up. I'd done one show for him, I think, somewhere in Birmingham, and Mark fell in love with me. And after the show, they sat me down and said, what happened to you? I said, nothing. Because you absolutely tore the stage to pieces. I'm the main act. I felt like a feature, Dondi. I went, no, no, not no. Not just the feature. Yeah. I go, you're not just the feature, please, Taz. And he goes, no. He goes, I want you to work with us all the time. So the history with him was phenomenal and the tours. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the memories and the histories. Tell I've me got. about where, you, where did you travel with him? What countries you went? I went to, right, you ready for this? I went pretty much all over Europe, Amsterdam, 
um, Switzerland. I went to India, Dubai, Mauritius. Uh, we went to Kuala Lumpur. We did Karachi. Wow. We did Bahrain. Kenya. Kenya. America. America, watch Washington, America. Washington, D.C. Saw pictures outside yeah. the White House. The White House. Um, we did um, Dallas. We, 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 we just went everywhere. And how was it touring with him? Oh, he's honest to God. He is it. He's the absolutely, absolutely phenomenal guy to go and tour with, man. Yeah. If you like your sleep, you don't go and tour with Taz. Yeah. I Never. mean, that was a huge loss, you know, to our industry. Um, <clears throat> someone who really paved really paved the way like you know i can't i can't express how much he influenced me to just not be scared about trying something i mean hunter menachna if you listen to that hit the deck album still today sonically you know just the way things are just the production just the way he's whatever he's doing it's just phenomenal and um i think you were probably one of the closest artists to him without a doubt you know, because you were with him so much, um, probably right up until, you know, the very end, I think. You know, you were speaking, I mean, you did speak to him, didn't you? I, yeah, he FaceTimed me. From the hospital? Yeah. A day before he went, literally. And it's like a goodbye call, I think. I could see it. And I said, you, you're giving up. And he goes, I'm not done. I said, listen, bruv, you shouldn't. You can, you can get through this, really can. It was shocking because the week before I found out that his manager passed away, which was even worse. So it was a tragic, tragic time for his family and everyone in the music industry and the only Asian artist ever to be inaugurated in the Music Hall of Fame in Coventry alongside David Bowie is none other than, you know, Tarzane Singh. He should be proud and his family should be proud of him. And You know, and I think, you know, um, something which you've been quite passionate about is keeping his legacy alive. So what do you mean by that? Is that something about keeping the songs that, un like, did you hear unreleased songs from Taz? I have one of the, probably the biggest tune, probably as big as Najino, recorded with Taz Derry Nation. The only track I ever featured with him on was a track called Jatta Hoge Sharabi, yeah, which he that. recorded do in... Um, in KLC studio and we got a live band and this sound that Sounds we brought amazing. was unreal. It was something, again, that I saw a vision and I explained it to Chaos and they didn't understand it. So I brought on really, really old school rhythm, mm. which real old school reggae instruments. What, what, what's the name of that rhythm? Is it called ska? Yeah, kind of ska, ska kind of ska reggae. Yeah. I, I don't, I'm not 100% schooled up on dance or <clears> stuff like that. Obviously, that I this was, um, yeah, phenomenal. When he laced this track um, and when I put my bit in there and then obviously Chaos and we obviously got someone from Jamaica to put some little words in there, but it was phenomenal. Yeah. The track's still not released and um, I'm trying to fight now for this track to be released uh, under, just under Taz's um, family foundation to have it out there. Because yeah. I know every time he played it at every party that he had in Birmingham in his house, his crowd, if you're listening, the Taz crowd that you know that goes up there, Kushti, the lot of you boys, that track must have been played and rewinded 21, 30 well, let's, times. Well, let's start something. Let's try and get that track out because I've heard it. It's great. You yeah. Know, he sounds phenomenal. You sound amazing on that. Um, um, and I commend that, man. I, I, I know I was there, you know, with you around that time when, you know, Taz passing and obviously Mark as well, you know, both of them gems complete gems and i'm happy that you know you also i feel you know from where you started off as this guy that's really raw you actually ended up working with one of the biggest legendary artists but also becoming his best mate yeah totally. and like someone that i'm sure that he's talked to you about things that he probably hasn't talked to anyone about you know if you spent if you've gone on tour with someone that person's you know trusted you i mean he's trusted you he trusted you that for me is a massive, massive thing. So you should always remember that, you know, within this music game, it's not about, I feel, it's not about your streams. It's not about your followers. It's not about numbers. I mean, yes and no, but you know what? It's about, have you done something in this industry to always say that, you know what? I've never hurt anyone. Do you know I mean, I've never, I've never, I've never hurt anyone. I've never cheated anyone in the business. I've been really loyal um, you know, I've been there for people and I think, you know, hands up, you're one of that, one of those artists I can genuinely say, especially in my career, that if I've ever needed anything, whether it's in, not even just music, but just generally everything, you've always been there. And then you were there for Taz. So, 
you know, I think it's a, I think it's a really commendable thing, man. I think it's a really, really good thing that, you know, um, I want to be like I say to people, how do you want to be remembered? How do you want to be remembered in this industry? The humble artist. <laughs> you know, I just want to say I can't wait for Garba Rhythm Four. That's yep. gonna be amazing. And please, please, let's get this album done. I've got the track sitting on my computer. You know, we need to finish this. We need. To, I want to get people out. I think you're the way you combine Gujarati, patois, or whatever. You know, chatting, rapping, whatever you know, singing is is very unique. Yes, um, as you said, I. We are forever learning, Rishi. So everything that even Taz has taught me, he's the one who taught me how to transition between the English and the Punjabi that he used to do. Mm, good point. Right? So I used to say to him, how'd you do it? How'd you do it so well? How'd you just all of a sudden, and you know, there's only one other person that I believe that is as good as Taz in this day and age that can actually do the transition perfectly. And that wouldn't be no other than a good friend of mine, Dave Bauer, up in Canada. And I think, mate, yeah, yeah, Dave, that yeah. guy. So I featured in a lot of his stuff as well, a couple of tracks yeah. with him. And I yeah. think, that, you know, I used to say, and even when Taz used to play the track with from listening to my headphones, he'd be like, that's sick, isn't it? And I went, yeah, doesn't this guy transition like you? And he went, he does, doesn't he, Don? I went, look, there's not many people that can do what Taz did. Look, we have been talking now for over, nearly over an hour. And it's just been like I'm talking to you like we do anyway. But I'm going to see you on Friday night. Yes, we are. Um, and I'm going to, you know, get this. I can't wait for people to hear this. I know there's so much more. I think we need a part two. Uh, maybe <laughs> we'll get Funky Man. Yeah. Um, I did speak to Funky Man. Um, uh, Feroz, Funky Man, Fizz. Um, yes. Let's get Funky Man in and let's the three of us. And maybe, you know what, let's get Bunkage. Let's uh, let's reunite Too Cool and Dondi. We should do a Too Cool and Dondi podcast. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Well, thanks, D, my bro. No, big up to yourself, man. One. Big up to everyone. One love. This is Marley. Sign out.